filmmaking in general, if you look back over the last 10 years, is just, my gosh, like has just made massive leaps in quality and production value. But I didn't, we didn't feel like the, the stock video market had done the same thing. And so we actually don't even love the word stock, but we have to say it because it is what it is. But I really, I mean, we, you know, we consider it footage licensing, but when we launched Film Supply, the whole goal was that there's, you know, hundreds of, you know, there's thousands really of directors and DPs making the best content on the, on the planet. Um, and they're not licensing their footage anywhere because they don't want it to show up on a stock video website. Um, and so we kind of felt like, honestly, the best creatives in the world that could be generating revenue from their footage uh, and solving a lot of problems for creatives were really apprehensive to do so because of the stigma of the market. Stock video. How do you feel about it? For many creatives, thoughts quickly jump to generic, smiling corporate boardrooms with just the right pinch of racial and gender equity or sunlight-filled family rooms with children perfectly dressed in pastel colours, unwrapping an adorably cute puppy on an indistinguishable birthday. You know the type. And there are certain stigma associated with stock video. I'm sure you'll agree, but in 2021 and beyond, how is the stock or footage licensing industry changing? And what does that mean for creatives like us? Well, my friend, that's what we're exploring today in episode 222. Let's go. The world of video marketing for business is changing, and I don't want you to get left behind. G'day, I'm your host, Ben Amos, and welcome to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. Each week, I'll be bringing you the best in the world of video marketing, content creation, business growth strategy, and storytelling along with practical tips, insight, and knowledge that you need to grow as a confident video strategist and build profitable businesses. Let's get on with the show. G'day, g'day. Welcome back to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing, and it's my role to help you engage your ideal audience through effective video marketing strategy. Now, stock video for me is something that I have a bit of a love-hate relationship with. I love it when we can use it with our clients' projects and get us out of a sticky situation. Maybe we weren't able to get the shot that we wanted, or maybe the client needed a shot that was just something that was out of the scope or the budget of what we could actually produce ourselves. Or perhaps it's something that we're editing together something we're not able to even shoot ourselves so we're able to utilize stock video to add a bit more dynamism or creativity to the edit but i'm sure you'll agree despite that that there is good stock and there's definitely some bad stock and the problem is for many people when you think about stock video much like stock imagery is you tend to associate it with what i would call the bad stock right and the thing is that the stock industry or the footage licensing industry has definitely been changing over the last number of years, particularly as the democratization of video creation has come into the hands of so many more creatives around the world. So the ability for creatives, for video producers, for cinematographers and DPs to license their footage and to make, I guess, effectively extra money by licensing their footage for other creatives to tap into it's really become a significant 
opportunity both for creatives who are selling their footage, but also for creatives who are looking to utilize better stock video. And in today's episode, I'm excited to be diving deep into this idea with the CEO of Film Supply. Now, Film Supply, if you haven't yet come across this footage licensing site, is like stock video at a whole new level. In fact, you can't even really call it stock video. In fact, as you'll hear us say in this episode today, you really need to go to filmsupply.com and check out some of the amazing, beautiful, cinematic footage, this stunning stuff that you can tap into for your projects. So if you haven't yet been to filmsupply.com, then I encourage you to do that. So a little bit about my guest today. He is Daniel McCarthy. He's the co-founder and CEO of FM. And FM is the parent company behind licensing companies Film Supply and also Musicbed, which is music licensing. But again, Musicbed is not your generic usual stock music. After serving as an advertising creative director, Daniel launched his own production-focused agency. Leading his team's day-to-day work, Daniel grew frustrated with the process of finding and clearing great music and footage. The problem was that high-quality songs and video clips were often tangled in red tape, while the most readily available assets were, as he describes, subpar. And he believed that creatives shouldn't have to choose between those two underwhelming options. So he co-founded FM with the goal of representing the world's best music and footage creators in order to empower creatives shaping culture through their work in television, film and advertising. Now today, Film Supply and Musicbed collaborate with top agencies, brands, production houses and studios around the globe to help bring their visions to life. Anyway, that's enough from me. Let's dive into my interview today with Daniel McCarthy, CEO of FM. Daniel, welcome to the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. This conversation is going to be really relevant for our listeners, regardless of you know the level of production ability they think they have. Because I know listeners to this podcast, they range from you know, running big production companies down to individuals in business trying to figure this stuff out for themselves. So we're going to be talking about uh, things that are relevant to that whole spectrum of people today. But before we get into it, I'd love to hear a little bit about your your story. What what led you into into the company you run now, Film Supply and Musicbed, and uh, and how did you get there? Yeah, so I actually uh, started out of college at working at an advertising agency and uh, ended up doing a lot of video production, photography work. And then, God, that would have been 2009. We started our own creative agency and then uh, really set out to do a lot of interactive work, which is like what we called it at the time. Um, a lot of like web and branding work and then just was constantly being asked by clients to be doing video production. And so then we just we kind of ran with it and ended up being over 50% of our revenue. And so we found ourselves doing a ton of video work, uh, for our clients and, uh, and both brands, both music bed and film supply, both kind of were born out of that, the needs that we had in that time, um, for stock footage and for music as well. So had you, had you had any experience in your production company there, um, you know, filming any stock video or, or, putting any of stock no, video we, into existing libraries at the time? 
No, we really, we really didn't have any experience filming it. Um, we had, we had used, I mean, I think whether it was for like, uh, intro videos or promos or ads or some branded content, like we, I mean, we had a lot of experience using platforms like Shutterstock or Pond5 or Getty, you know, I mean, all, all of the kind of options at the time, um, what we felt like is that the industry at large was getting better and, and higher quality and more authentic, like, like f filmmaking in general, if you look back over the last 10 years is just, my gosh, like has just made massive leaps in quality and production value. But I didn't, we didn't feel like the, the stock video market had done the same thing. And yeah. so we actually don't even love the word stock, but we have to say it because it is what it is. But I really, I mean, we, you know, we consider it footage licensing, but when we launched Film Supply, the whole goal was that there's, you know, hundreds of, you know, there's thousands really of directors and DPs making the best content on the, on the planet. Um, and they're not licensing their footage anywhere because they don't want it to show up on a stock video website. Um, and so we kind of felt like, honestly, the best creatives in the world that could be generating revenue from their footage uh, and solving a lot of problems for creatives were really apprehensive to do so because of the stigma of the market. Um, they just didn't want to be associated with stock video. So that was kind of the basis of why we started Film Supply was to go and represent all these creatives um, and give them, a, give them a place to be able to license footage easily. I'm interested in your opinion, Daniel, you know, and feel free to be as, as open and honest as, as you want to be about stock footage and that perception of stock footage, you know, prior to film supply, like, like what, what's the issue? What's the, what's the problem that you see video producers coming up against when they're maybe asked to use stock footage, stock footage, or they maybe are in a place where they need to use stock footage. You know, what's the problem with what was existing in the marketplace at the time. Yeah, I think everybody knows it's, it's like a, com it's a combo platter of either the catalogs are massive and there's just a lot of junk you have to sort through. Um, or this stuff is really inauthentic. You know, maybe it's the talent is just very inauthentic. Uh, maybe the lighting is very inauthentic. It doesn't, it doesn't just, it doesn't feel like it's lit very well. Um, and there's just not a, there's nothing emotive about it. And so, um, you know, and most, I mean, most of our competitors, like a lot of those filmmakers shoot for stock. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of what you asked at the beginning, like that's their job. Their job is to shoot stock footage. We don't represent any of those filmmakers. So we're representing directors and filmmakers shooting real films, um, real commercial projects, real documentary and narrative work. Um, and we're just lucky enough to, to be able to represent them. And so I think that's, that's the big difference is it's when you're going out there and shooting a happy family on a beach, you know, because you've been asked to shoot that it sells well, et cetera, versus when you're shooting real authentic films and stories and narratives, um, it just, you can, you know, you know, you can see it, um, and you can see the difference. And so. I don't know if that helps answer your question, but I think it just is a very cluttered market uh, with just a bunch of kind of inauthentic content. So if you can help for our listeners to understand if they were to go to Film Supply, and of course I do encourage them if they haven't to go and check out Film Supply after listening to this podcast, but 
if we were to go to film supply and look at what it what is in the library you say we don't represent those producers who are filming content for stock so so what kind of content are we going to find there is it shots from real real films yeah so it's going to be it's going to be scenes and and shoots from real films narrative maybe spec ads or real ads it's going to be documentary style stuff so it's just going to you're going to find you're going to find stuff that's a lot more dramatic that's a lot more authentic and real feeling that's a lot more cinematic um you know these it's 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 scenes and shots coming from like big budget productions and sets. Um, and so I think you get it pretty fast as you're kind of looking around like, oh, this is different. Yep. Uh, and so, you know, I, what I think it did, and then COVID was really interesting uh, when it hit because production shut down. And so we, uh, you know, last year was a really interesting year for us because we had all of these clients and customers coming um, that maybe didn't need stock footage before or had been used to being on set or, you know, actually doing production and, uh, and all of a sudden they couldn't. And so they had to license footage. And so, you know, last year was like a very interesting year for film supply because we were all of a sudden not filling the gaps in productions. Like we were producing entire ads for, on, for brands um, and so it's, you know, it's been, it's been a little bit of a whirlwind the last 18 months, but, uh, kind of where the footage licensing industry is headed. So let's talk about that a little bit, because I think that's a, a really interesting opportunity that many, many people probably haven't considered is, is particularly in a, in a post pandemic world, or in many cases, depending on where you are in the world, still affected in some way, the ability to go out and shoot every shot that you need. I'm not necessarily saying that in, you know, in many cases you are able to go out and do some filming in some cases, but travel's more restricted. The ability to get specific shots that you need maybe isn't as easy as it once was prior to COVID. So, you know, how can we rethink how we approach production with the knowledge that there, there is content that can be licensed available to us? I think it's a great it's a great question. And I think what we, uh, maybe if we were smarter, we would have seen it coming, but it kind of crept up on us and, and, and we've seen it play out. And I, and here's what I think is really interesting is, you know, now post pandemic, what, what we saw is that people were relying on film supply during the pandemic out of necessity because they didn't have any other option. We have to produce a 32nd spot production is closed down. I can't get into a studio. Like we have to do what we have to do. And then throughout the process, I think they found like, this is kind of nice. Um, there's a lot of things about this that are nice. And now post pandemic, what we're seeing is, yes, we're back in set. I mean, we're back in studio, studios are back open. We're shooting around the globe, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of scenes on a lot of concepts that really lend themselves to, Hey, um, this scene that supports the story, you know, Previously, I probably would have just dropped fifty or sixty thousand dollars in the budget, and I would have shot this scene over a two two day period. But you know, now I'm actually just reaching out to film supply and saying, like, hey, this is the this is the supporting scene that I need. This is the, this is the footage I need. Like, can you help me source that? We source it for them. It saves them a lot of time. It usually saves them money. 
Um, and so it, I think we've kind of become a little bit of a secret weapon for a lot of producers um, and editors where, you know, it's, it's not, it's not so much of an afterthought. I think that's what we're finding right now is that I think as far as the production timeline goes pre pandemic, not necessarily an afterthought, but definitely at the end of the production timeline, post pandemic, we're having conversations very early on at the treatment phase, at the concept phase. Um, and it's becoming, you know, a really, a really nice tool to use as a part of the production process. Yeah, and I think a lot of that's got to do with the way that perception of stock has changed. As you said, people maybe hadn't thought about using stock in that way, but then they were forced to, and now they've changed their perception of it. You know, I think that. Oh yeah, and yeah, and, and, and you know, and that some of that the perception change ultimately comes from like you just have to see it, right? Like, yeah. you, like I, we could talk about it all day, but until you see it and you realize what we're talking about. I mean, the directors that we're representing are shooting Nike ads or shooting Adidas ads or shooting Netflix documentaries or shooting, you know, they're, they're shooting all of the stuff that we're looking at and in and, awe and of and are winning all the awards uh, all the time. And so, you know, I think that, that's the deal. When you get on and you realize like, oh, okay. Like we're not, we're, we're talking about like, real cinematic authentic footage and we're making it available to everybody i think it is a you know it is a game changer in my opinion so let's talk about the obvious question probably in the minds of listeners here of if if you are sourcing and licensing footage from those directors and dps shooting for nike netflix so on and so forth it, i guess the big question here is you know how are they how are you getting that footage into a licensing platform where, you know, it's, it's obviously filmed for a specific purpose, right? And, and client. So that's the trick. <laughs> that's the, that's, <laughs> that's the, the secret, secret sauce. The, that's the secret. <laughs> uh, I, we have our ways. I think, um, yeah, that's kind of the secret. Honestly, I think that's what the nut that we cracked that nobody has done, which is like, wait a second, you're shooting an Adidas ad, isn't all of this footage for Adidas? Yeah. So uh, how are you able to license this after the fact? Um, and there's really kind of three or four different ways that we do it. Um, but in a nutshell, we have found ways to get filmmakers to be able to shoot the footage they need for clients uh, and for customers and still retain rights to potentially certain shoots or certain aspects of that footage um, that allow us either it's either partnership deals with us and the brands and the filmmakers or uh, those filmmakers themselves are actually retaining rights uh, the rights that they need that, to be able to retain so that they can license down the line okay yeah yeah cool i think um the other the other pushback you potentially might get which i want to address is is for a a client of a of a production that you're producing and then you're using footage from film supply which potentially you know maybe even unbeknownst to you as you're selecting a shot from from your catalog featured in something that's well known as well like a location or or talent or a situation and then you're using it in another production so you know is there pushback or is there potential problems there of like hey that's that's a shot from that. Do people, does that connection ever get made or? 
Uh, you know, every so often. So we do a lot of exclusive deals. Like sometimes clients will come to us and say, Hey, I want this scene and I, and I want to use it exclusively for the okay. next year. Like I don't, you know, I don't want to turn the TV on and see all this footage in another person's ad. Yeah. Um, and, and we do those all the time. And, and that is definitely something that clients love, you know, but then there's also, there's also a lot of footage that I think maybe is not the hero of the ad. And I don't know if we realize how often we see that kind of footage. You know, we're watching TV and three or four clips roll by to set the tone, to set the mood, to set the, the location. And we don't really even like subconsciously, we don't even know what we saw, you know, but it does what it was supposed to do. And I think that footage, I think, is a lot easier to, you know, maybe there's a, a Netflix show that's using it. There's a Nike ad that, you know, there's some clips in there. Um, maybe you saw it in another ad as well. And I don't, I don't think that that stuff is really, I, I think it's a little more of a subconscious thing. I don't know that it's really super recognizable from, from piece to piece. Yeah. Yeah. No, I probably agree, agree with that. So it's just, just interesting to consider. I think, you know, we've probably all been in that situation with stock music, for example, where you've selected a stock music track for a corporate video and then you hear it on three or four other corporate videos as you kind of, you know, live in life. And, you know, I think yes. that, that that becomes even, even more, I think of an issue when it's, uh, when it's footage, you know, in a lot of cases. So it, yeah. it definitely happens. And we do exclusive deals a lot to, to prevent that, especially around big events, Super Bowl, the Oscars, the Olympics, when you're talking like really big high exposure events where there's really big ad buys, um, we definitely do exclusive deals for those because brands typically want to ensure the fact that they're not going to see it somewhere else. Awesome. So I think for video producers and video marketers listening, there's really two, two opportunities here. Obviously we've talked about using stock in productions. Then the other side of that is potentially licensing footage that, that you have, that you've shot. So with film supply, what's, can you talk us through that process? If there's a, a DP director production company listening that goes, we've got some stunning stuff in our catalog. Mm -hmm. um, what's the process for Film Supply? Yeah, so you can go to filmsupply.com, um, contact us and submit. I believe actually we just, I just saw an email this morning that said that they had opened up submissions for a while. Um, so that is a huge opportunity. I, they're like, we're very, we're very highly curated. And so we're very picky, but I, I think there are a lot, there's still a lot of filmmakers and creatives out there that we've not reached that we don't represent and we would love to. Um, and so there's certain types of content that does really well. Uh, so yeah, I, the, 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 the biggest question, the biggest thing would be contact us, send us your portfolio, have a conversation, um, and just, and just know that we're very picky. So don't take it personally. Yeah. <laughs> if we yeah. don't accept it, Point taken. That's, the, that's the thing I feel like I get the most. It's like, Hey, my brother is, you know, is it feel or like on the music bedside, we get all the time, you know, Oh, I know this band. And I'm like, okay, you know, like we'll try, but it may not happen, may not work out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Point taken. So, you know, for those um, producers out there that think they, you know, they look at what you've got um, in the catalog and they think that it, it they might be a good fit for your catalog. What sort of things might they want to consider as far as whether or not they are a good fit? 
Uh, I think it's really just compare your portfolio to the, some of the existing collections. And if you feel like the mood, it's, it, it really isn't a come down. It's a lot of stuff, right? But number one for us, it's authentic. And so it's got to just feel very authentic, cinematic, um, you know, have, have a really strong point of view. Um, and we want content from directors that have really strong point of views. It doesn't feel bland. It feels like there was intentionality from a director uh, and a DP that there's a reason why this shot is the way it is. There's a reason why it was lit the way it was lit. It evokes some level of emotion. And so I think that there's, there's just a lot of variables that goes in. I'm not on the content team, so they'll hear this podcast and tell me I missed something. But, um, you know, there's just a lot that goes into us picking the people that we want to represent. Um, and yeah, does that, does that answer your uh, question? Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, of course. Look, I think um, the, other, the other angle here is the idea that, you know, when we are looking at in that kind of, treatment phase or storyboarding phase, you know, thinking about what we can, what we can use in stock versus what we, what we need to shoot. Um, how would you recommend that people approach that conversation? Do you think that that's changed as well now versus pre pandemic? So I think the concept drives everything. I mean, we came from the agency world, so, um, you know, concept is king, right? Yeah. Like, well, what is the film? What is the concept? What are we trying to accomplish? And then what is the storyboard? Uh, and I think that's going to drive it. That's ultimately going to drive it. You know, I mean, we, we've, uh, we did a project last, we did a lot of projects last year where it was a hundred percent licensed footage. Um, and sometimes the concept will allow it and sometimes it won't. I think one of the you know, there's a lot of ways you can use, there's a lot of ways you can use stock footage in a, in a unique way, specifically film supply. One is that, you know, we'll have filmmakers that use um, similar talent in a lot of their collections. And so you may need, you know, you may need a, a couple, uh, you know, in their thirties, but you want them in multiple locations. And we can usually put, to, put together a really wonderful scene for you that doesn't feel like stock at all because you're, you're actually following this character around multiple scenes in multiple locations. And it feels like you shot it. Um, but it was all licensed. I think that's one way. Um, I think, you know, we're really intentional on the front end to get scenes and entire shoots so that you have supporting footage, you have a storyline. So, uh, and then obviously there's the, you know, there's kind of the typical aerial shots that, you know, establishing shots. Um, and so I think that's some of the stuff that, you know, maybe you choose to not rent a helicopter for four hours and shoot a bunch of footage and you choose to go license it instead. And so I think that's a lot of stuff that just for a long time, you just did it. You just did it the way you've always done it. Here's the shoot. Here's the production. Here's the cost. This is how we've always done it. And I think the pandemic's truly forced everyone to think a little differently. And, uh, and I think in thinking differently, some of those habits have, have changed. And we've seen that, that there's just, you know, it's like, oh, this is nice. And I'm going to just keep doing it this way because it's great. Um, even though like we're going to go, but we, you know, all of our filmmakers included are all back to shooting at this point. Um, but we're still, we're still seeing 
footage licensing used in a much different way today than we did in 2019. Yeah, cool. You mentioned there a, an entire project that was was done recently. Was that done by Film Supply 100% from stock or was that a, a, a client or a customer? There's a, there is a bunch of them. Um, one of them is Grammarly, which is an app. Uh, and, uh, and they did an entire series of content exclusively using Film Supply. That was, they're actually really, really great ads. And so that, that was one of them off the top of my head that I can think of that the, the concept really lended itself to, to just, I mean, it was exclusively licensed footage. So, yeah. Yeah. Grammarly invest heavily in YouTube ads. So we've probably seen some of those ads. Yeah. You've probably seen them. If you've seen a Grammarly video recently, yeah, that's film supply. There you go. We'll be looking at it differently next time. I'm interested to explore with you, Daniel, what you see as the future of, of the stock video or music. We can go either way here, the industry, you know, because obviously we've talked a bit about the, the impact of the pandemic, but also I think there's an, there's been a growing trend here towards what I would refer to as the democratization of video. You know, the, the, the tools to create high quality video content is in almost everyone's hands, you know, like the idea of renting a helicopter to get an aerial shot is almost a moot point anyway, because there are drones, obviously you can't fly in certain places. Right. But there are many cases where the ability to produce high quality cinematic video content, it's easier now than it ever was. So with that in mind, what, what do you see as the future of stock video? I, I mean, I think you kind of said it. I think the future is more people being able to create higher quality content. And I, th- I think, um, and not to take away, I, I don't actually believe because, because we've seen that we see the briefs and we see the amount of content going out. I don't think this means that production companies are going out of business and editors aren't going to have a job anymore. I think the amount of content being made right now is just out of control. I mean, I mean, yeah. it is going to go up and up and up and up and up, and there's going to be more video you know, uploaded to the internet this year than there was last year. And it's going to continue to trend that way. Um, what I do think is kind of the gap between idea to execution from a technology standpoint is just getting smaller, you know, before you have to have an idea and then you have to take that idea to an agency and the agency has to go to production company, the production has to company, you know, has to produce it. And then it goes to post. And, and I think, you know, you probably have some listeners on here that are maybe just small business owners and they do their own marketing or they're uh, marketers or they're, do, you know, and it's like, I don't have, I don't have the budget to, to take this idea to an agency and get it developed and then take it to a production company and then show up on set. Like I have this idea in my head of this 15 second or 30 second ad that I want to make for my company. Um, and I would even say five or six years ago, like, good luck. Even if you could source the footage, do you know how to use Adobe Premiere? You know, do you know how to export the video and upload it? Like, if you don't know how to do that, then you still aren't getting that idea out. And I just think where we're headed is, you know, you're going to be able to just grab the footage that you need on Film Supply and drop it in an editing app on your iPad and drag and drop a song on there. Um, and, you know, put your tagline at the end and all of a sudden like have this really beautiful 20 second concepted ad that pays off this idea that was in your head. And I just, that wasn't possible 10 years ago. So I think, 
Yeah, I mean, that ultimately is the future, which is is kind of everybody has access. And so it becomes a lot less about your ability to use a specific technology. And it kind of it kind of goes back to the original, which is like concept is king. So if you had the idea, then and you are willing to work a little bit to figure it out, you can execute that idea. Yeah, I think that's that's a critical point there around concept is king because you know, even if you, you look at the available footage on film supply and you think, man, that shot's beautiful and that shot's stunning and you know what a great shot that is. But if you don't un- if you don't have the concept to to pull that together right. into a cohesive, engaging story, then it, it it may as well just be randomly selected clips from the internet stuck together, right? Well, and that's where the agency and the editors, I mean, that's where these these professional creatives they do come in and they do have an edge. Like this is their job, right? Yeah. So I think that's that's the thing is you can watch 15 seconds of, you know, clips back to back to back to back and then put your real estate logo at the end. Um, but if it's not paying off an idea and there wasn't a strong concept and there's not this aha moment and it doesn't create goosebumps, then, you know, it's just edited footage to music with a logo at the end. Um, and that's where I think, you know, I have, I, we have these conversations all the time because we represent directors and our biggest clients are agencies. And it's, and I feel like every headline is, you know, the agent, you know, net, D- Disney plus is creating an in-house agency and they're cutting agencies out of the loop and production. Kind of, and I'm like, listen, I, I mean, d- these, these creative directors and directors and editors, like they're the best creatives on the planet at executing a concept. And that's not going away. I mean, give, give them all, give, give a normal human being all the tools on the planet, access to all the music that they can get access to access to all the footage that they could have. And we still need a creative to put it all together and tell the right story. So I think on one hand, we are going to have the ability and there's going to be business owners out there and marketers and all that. There's going to be a ton of people that have the idea and can execute their own vision. I still think we're going to rely on these phenomenal creatives to continue to put out amazing content. Yeah, I 100% agree, but it does raise a thought to me and I'm playing kind of devil's advocate a little bit here, but it, what what's your perception of these directors and DPs who you know obviously are incredibly talented at what they do and and they choose to license their footage on Musicbed? Is there a, a fear maybe in their minds of that their content will end up in a really crappy edit? Is is that a fear? Have, have you ever heard that? <laughs> well, from them? I I would hope that we're yeah you know it's a thing. I mean we're we're typically priced high enough that it doesn't. I I think. Um, in general, if you don't have great taste, then you're probably not coming to film supply and spending the money to, to license, you know, premium content. So I think most of that kind of works itself out. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I dare say you're true. Definitely. I just, you know, I thought that was an interesting thought. Yeah. It's a thing, you know, I mean, and they are also, you know, it's like, is this going to, is this going to cannibalize my own revenue? You know, is this going to cannibalize like, okay, I, if I put all this content up here, then does that mean I stop getting hired? Um, and that's where I, I really don't think it is. I don't think that footage licensing takes away from the production world. I think it 
uh, is an entirely new stream of revenue. Um, in the end, there is just as many ideas and concepts, if not more, being produced every day that need to get executed. You know, there's, I mean, the majority of the commercials you're watching on TV tonight when you go home, I mean, like, you can't splice all those things together with stock footage, you know? Like, the next State Farm commercial coming out is with Pat Mahomes is not going to be spliced together with stock footage. So the concept is ultimately what drives um, whether we're going to a production company or we're going to rely on, on footage licensing. And I just think there's a lot... There's a lot more opportunities right now for everybody. So I, to me, you know, a rising tide ri raises all boats. I don't know, you know, the whole thing. But I, that's just kind of where we are right now, which is just more and more and more and more content being created, which in my opinion just means more opportunities for everyone in the video, video and film market altogether. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that's a, that's a really nice sentiment to end on here, Daniel. So obviously if you're listening to this and you haven't yet come across or checked out Film Supply, then I encourage you to just go and spend some time browsing the library if you're listening to this, even if it's just to get inspiration for your own filmmaking. You know, that some of the best filmmakers in the world have their content licensed on here. So obviously we've talked about how you can tap into that for your productions, but I also encourage you just to spend some time scrolling and checking out some of the amazing stuff. It's definitely not what you'll find on other stock video sites. So, hey, Daniel, where's the best place for people if they want to connect with you or to, to learn more? Just filmsupply.com or anywhere else you want to send Filmsupply. people? Filmsupply.com, yeah. Yeah, I'm, that's a whole other podcast, why, why, this, why this guy doesn't have social media. But anyways, <laughs> okay. yeah, you got to go to Filmsupply. Like maybe find me on LinkedIn or something. <laughs> I'm the one creative in the world that doesn't have an Instagram account, sorry. Uh, fair enough. That's right. You can just, it's a, just a mind suck of time anyway. So, Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. We'll do a blog post about it or something. <laughs> okay. Hey, Daniel, thanks very much for joining me. This has been a really fascinating conversation about the, the stock video industry and where it's going. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Have a great, have a great day. Thanks again, Daniel, for joining me on the Engage Video Marketing Podcast and sharing your insight into this world of footage licensing. Now, for me, after this interview, I've got to admit that I ended up spending far too long scouring the available footage within Film Supply. And let me tell you, it is worth some of your time to do that. Even if you're not sure about what projects you might potentially be using this on, it's it really is inspiration as a creative to see what other people are doing. And filmsupply.com is a great place to go for that inspiration, but also know you can tap into that content when you need to for your projects. So thanks again for joining me for this episode. I appreciate you for spending some time here to really grow as a video strategist and a video marketer. And that's exactly what I want to do for you through this podcast. So if you haven't yet subscribed or followed this podcast, then do so right now in your favorite podcast player app. And I'd appreciate as always a rating and a review for this podcast. Guys, it really is the way, the best way for more people to be aware of the content that I share here on the Engage Video Marketing Podcast. Simply by sharing a rating and a review, it's this, the one of the key things that's going to boost up this podcast in the rankings uh, across those different platforms. So seriously, I do implore you, if you have just a couple of moments, I'd seriously appreciate 
the time that you could take to leave a rating and a review on either Apple Podcasts or whatever app you listen to your podcasts on. Thank you very much for that. That was quite a direct call to action and I hope some of you guys take me up on that. Hey, thanks again for joining me. I am Ben Amos from Engage Video Marketing and it is my role to help you engage your ideal audience to action through effective video marketing and I'll be back with you next week for another episode of the Engage Video Marketing Podcast.